Bomber oh. fans are happy, and I'm a Ryder fan. <laughs> I can't. What? What is happening? Like, is that drooling or something that I don't want to know about? That that <laughs> <laughs> it's just drooling, Travis. Don't you worry. <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! It is episode 33 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. John Fraser, Travis Curra, John... Angry right. John got you into a load of hot water. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not even delaying that. Let's get right into this. <laughs> I know. Let's get right into it. Needless to say, Angry John might have crossed the line last week. I called out uh, another podcast, a fellow podcast, one that we do listen to, the Let's Talk CFL podcast. I said I implied some things that were absolutely incorrect. I applied them about last word on sports as well. I was misinformed. I was angry. I reached out to both parties. I said, I'm sorry, and I'd just like to take the moment to publicly apologize. What I said was not factual, not based out of anger. And actually, I had a really, really good conversation with Kelly Bale, who represents both organizations. We got to know each other a little bit. It was it was top-notch stuff. So again, I apologize, guys. And I actually, I was going through Kelly's Twitter feed, and he wrote this great piece on Last Run on Sports about memories of Taylor Field. I, I highly recommend checking it out. It's a really cool piece. And that brings me to the first topic of conversation on this surprise episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast. A nice what Friday your... surprise. Exactly. What is your favorite memory from Taylor Field, Travis Curra? Wow, I, I have a few. My first Labor Day game there uh, was 2007. Kerry Joseph up the middle. Of course, they won the Grey Cup that year. That was a fond memory. Uh, I, I The memory of going to the 2010 home opener when they beat Montreal in overtime. Uh, but there's a couple family moments that I really enjoy there. I, I took my dad to his very first game. For his 60th birthday. Wow. Uh, he's a Ryder fan. He, he'd never uh, been to a Ryder game there. He saw my brother uh, played football for the Yorkton Raider Gritters, uh, Yorkton Regional High School. So yep. he had some games, and that was the first game that I've seen at Taylor Field. They got to play there, so that was my first memory of being in that stadium. But I, I took him for his 60th birthday, which was in 2011. <laughs> that is so cool. But that's sad because it was 2011. Sergeant Slaughter was the coach. They bring a <laughs> like we end up, I took him to the I took the poor guy to the game. Uh we're sitting uh, on the east side. It, it's about 30 degrees and the Riders don't even score a touchdown. <laughs> 
You, you should have taken them to a game against the Bombers because they always seem to <laughs> whoop the Bombers at Taylor Field. So I said, Dad, uh, we'll go to a game again next year. We went to a night game. The game, uh, I think you were there, John, uh, against the BC Lions. Uh, there was actually a drunk guy yep. that ran on the field. <laughs> I remember that, yet, And I also remember because we were, Weston Dressler caught two touchdowns from Darian Durant in the same corner of the same end zone. Yeah. Our seats were in that corner. We were hooked up uh, by Grant Biebrick and the fine folks at CKRM with uh, some seats for that game myself. And I took my father-in-law, and that was one of his first games he had been to. Same thing a lot. He had been to games much, much earlier, you know, when he was younger. But, uh, you know, it was one of the first games he'd been to recently. And we went there, and uh, my wife and uh, her Uncle Ken and her dad, it was a a real special night. But that is not the top memory for me at Taylor Field. What is? I had an opportunity. I've been there for a lot of painful, painful moments. Labor Day Classics. I went to six Labor Day Classics in a row at one point. As a Winnipeg fan in Taylor Field, it's never a good scenario. But (laughs) one of my favorite moments was actually this past year, knowing that it might be one of the last times I got to, you know, go to Taylor Field. I was there calling football for the Saskatoon Hilltops and Regina Thunder. And by this time, the players have gotten to know me a little bit. So. We get there really early for the Regina games. We're talking a 7 o'clock kickoff. I think we were there by 4.30. So I was out with a group of veteran players, and we were just throwing a football around. And I looked at one of the quarterbacks and said, I'm going deep. And I got on my horse, and Uh I ran about 40 yards, caught a beautiful strike in the end zone. The entire stadium was empty. It was just, to me, watching so many moments, just as a football fan, take place at that stadium, you know, to to be able to say, hey, you know what, I got to play a little pitch and toss on that turf was cool. Uh, The Hilltops would go on. That night, they entered the fourth quarter down 13 points without the ball and won the game. Wow. It was a it started awesome at four o'clock. It was a great comeback. I had no voice left. I had uh and this is a story I can tell on on two and out, and if you're my employers may or may not be true. Um <laughs> I allegedly had a little bit of spiced rum with me, allegedly in the broadcast booth for an alleged post game drink. <laughs> so after I had the alleged post game drink uh, or I was about to, I was going to have it once I wrapped up my post game show, but my voice was in such rough shape, I had to quickly take some of my alleged, you know, beverage, throw it into a cup, take a quick shot, and that was the only thing that got my voice through my post game show after that one. <laughs> I have so many memories of this place. Like, they just keep flooding back to me. I took my mom to her first game when she was 60 uh, as well. We sat in the end zone, it was Grey Cup year which is another amazing memory of being uh, at yeah, Taylor yeah, Field. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, they played Toronto late in the year. Uh, Durant ended up getting uh, hurt there. Our, and, and Zach Caleros was uh, actually quarterbacking for the Argos at that time. Yep. The Riders lost, but it was uh, another one of those memories to spend with your family. Of course, the, the Grey Cup. And uh, one of my favorite memories, I've started going to Labor Day a little bit more often now. Uh, and it's still like 800 kilometers from me, so it, yep. it's tough to get there. But uh, I enjoy hanging out. This sounds really weird. Hanging out with the Bomber fans. At uh, Wayne's World, right across yep, the street yep. from Taylor Field. That's where I hang out. And uh, the one year I went, and I don't know what happened. I was with my good buddy Brandon uh, and his girlfriend. I was playing third wheel. Yep. And I ended up 
partying with the Bomber fans, and uh, my Brandon and his girlfriend go into the stadium, and I never show up to our seat. The Bomber faithful had an extra ticket for me. <laughs> so I partied with them in the end zone all Labor Day game long and never went up to my season seat. <laughs> that that's That's hilarious. And we have a special guest on this week's Two and Out CFL podcast, and I don't know why the hell it took us so long to get him on. Is it? I would consider him a friend of mine, the one and only voice of the Riders, Rod Peterson on 620 CKRM, home of Rough Rider football. And Rod, you caused quite a stir a couple of weeks ago by predicting the Rough Riders would finish first overall, but what's, what's kind of the logic behind that? Because I know I'm on board with you. I had them picked to come in two of the next three Grey Cups. Well, the whole thing is, and by the way, thanks for having me on, Trav and John. The whole thing was kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. I didn't want to make the predictions anyways, because it happened to be on my radio show on the afternoon of Friday, April the 1st. And I said, (laughs) nobody wants to talk about the other two topics today, and that is that Ottawa is not getting compensation for Jason Moss being stolen. And I can't remember the other one. But all they want to talk about is predictions. So here are mine. And I just rolled out without even spending two seconds thinking about it <laughs> that the riders would be in first place. And then, uh, you know, what I say, Calgary second, BC third, and then a toss up between Edmonton and Winnipeg. And all of a sudden in Eskimo land, they just go absolutely ballistic. And, I, and, and that, included, uh, that included the players, by the way, by name. Mike Riley, Nate Kuhorn, uh, Odell Willis, Calvin McCarty. Hey, all the greats. And uh, anyways, like I said, it was an innocent prediction. And I know we're going to get into what the Rough Riders are going to be like here in 2016. After having spent a week with them in Florida, and that was just rookies, it only strengthens my assertion that the Riders will be at or near the top of the West Division. And it's not just because of the talent on the field. It's the coach and the GM, Chris Jones. I mean, I came away incredibly impressed with the direction of this team. And, by the way, with all the flaming that I took over the number one prediction for the Riders, (laughs) I had a heck of a lot of support across the CFL. uh, People writing in saying, uh, writing me saying, you know what, your predictions aren't that far off. You know, we we either agree with you or the Riders are going to surprise but nobody ever wants to stand up and say it what they think. Uh, but I don't mind doing that. It's just sometimes you take it on the chin. Rod, we, you've got both of us behind you. Like I said, I picked Saskatchewan to be in two out of the next three Grey Cups, and I promise my wife influenced me in that decision 0%. <laughs> this this was your first Florida minicamp with Chris Jones in charge. You'd been there a couple years with the previous regimes. What changed the most in your eyes, Rod? I kept I kept seeing that there seemed to be, you know, from listening to you and reading your stuff, seemed to be a lot more focus and a lot more attention to detail with Chris Jones as opposed to previous regimes of the Riders. Well, there's a lot of things, but one of the one of the biggest ones right off the bat that was noticeable was the way the coaching staff related to each other and how that entire coaching staff from Edmonton came to Saskatchewan. I mean, my last Bradenton minicamp with the Riders was Corey Chamberlain trying Jacques Chapdelaine and Greg Quick on for size. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'd never worked together before. None of those guys had worked together before. 
you got a mini camp where you're trying to work out, you know, maybe a hundred players you'd never seen before live. But then you got a coaching staff you're trying to figure out what what each other's doing and how do they relate to each other. Whereas with this camp, everybody knew what everybody else was doing twenty four seven. Chris Jones didn't have to worry what D, the D-line coach Ed Fillion was telling the defensive players because he knows those guys, those coaches inside out. The right hand knew what the left hand was doing and vice versa. It's like a Swiss watch, the way they work together. So there's that. They never used whistles, which was the first. Literally a bunch of whistles were ordered for the camp by the equipment staff, which is a holdover from the past regime. And these mm-hmm. coaches said, oh, you can throw those out right now. We don't use whistles. Everything's done on, you know, like a snap of the fingers. Everybody has signals. It's it's a, like a Swiss watch. So there's that. And then wow. the, other, the other noticeable one was simply the talent level. And I tried to explain this to somebody the other day. Actually, it was the guy that runs the Twitter account, CFL News. He asked me, how would you rate the, the talent? And I said, Let it, put it this way. Every single one of the players in Florida would – could go to Saskatoon for training camp and not stand out negatively. Every one of them was worthwhile of a tryout in Saskatoon, whereas maybe not even half in the past of those camps in Bradenton did those guys have any business being moved on to training camp. Wow. Does that mean it's twice as talented? I don't know what that means, but that's just the, you know, when I say that, I don't know how that translates, but that's what came into my mind. So the talent was there and uh, some guys that really badly want to prolong their football careers. I mean, the one thing that was very um, stoic or sobering, I guess, was on that last day of camp on Tuesday, some guys were faced with the prospect of taking their last rep of football ever. Jeez. If you didn't impress, it's over. And guys were playing like uh, it was their last rep. Wow. I wanted to ask about Darian uh, Durant. He, uh, I think he had said he wants to play 10 more years. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And now I know it's, it's, you, you can't really listen to a player because I, I think they'll always say that they're better than they are. But does it look like he's going to be 100% ready to go uh, in June? Well, on the 10 year thing, he settled at the end of the media scrum on the last day. Yeah. And he literally like had a twinkle in his eye. As a matter of fact, if I've been looking closer, he might have winked. Okay. He said, he, said uh, he basically said he had the last two years taken away from him because of injury. He appreciates the game more. Uh, I wrote on my website that he's starting to smell, stop and smell the roses, which he's never done before. And I don't mind saying that you know he was stopping to meet and greet fans and take pictures with fans and sign autographs. He'd never done that for before or if he did not not a lot whereas here he did it every day and you know that was something that henry burris did when he first showed up in saskatchewan in 2000 but not that wasn't a darian durant thing right so i said to him something's different about you and he goes no i appreciate it more because it was taken away from me i'm back i'm healthy i'm ready to go and i'm not going to take anything for granted so when we want to talk about how did he play my gosh Let's put it this way. There were 10 quarterbacks there. Brett Smith and Deering were the only veterans, and then there was B.J. Coleman, who was a former Green Bay Packer but would be a CFL rookie. Everybody was throwing, but when Darian, it was his turn to come in, the way, the way he was placing the footballs and he was way, the way he was throwing the football, it made all the rookie receivers look back and go, oh, my God, who's that guy? Wow. wow. 
like daddy's home type thing. So, <laughs> whereas in the mini camps in the past, Darian was throwing them into the dirt. He was throwing them over a guy's head. And he would just, like, smack his hands together like, ah, oh, God. And he'd be mad at himself, but I don't think he'd think about it again. Here, every throw was to a spot. Every throw was on the numbers. And he was throwing it, for instance, if a guy ran an out route, he was throwing it low and away so only the receiver could pick it up. Darian's not known for being an accurate quarterback. No. Okay? He's played 10 seasons. He's never been known as an accurate quarterback. If he's coming back now in better shape than ever, which he was lighter than he's ever been, but I think just as strong, if not stronger, and he's more accurate, look out. And the other thing with that 10-year comment, because it's unfortunate because Darian's always going to have the haters on his back, many of them within the Ryder Nation. When I put on Facebook and Twitter that Darian said this, a lot of them were snickering saying, oh, yeah, right, try finishing a game or try finishing a season, let alone 10 years, which I actually get. Yeah. But some of them might not have even been haters when they said that. But what it told me about Darian's mindset is he's not looking back. He's looking ahead. The past is not haunting him, the Achilles or the torn elbow tendon. He's looking ahead with a great attitude, and he put his work in this offseason. So that's bad news for the rest of the teams in the CFL. And secondly, I have asked Chris Jones every single time I've been interviewing him, what about Darian? Your thoughts on Darian? Going into the camp, during the camp, and after the camp. And he said, this guy's got nothing to prove. It's not like he's yep. being pushed for the number one job, okay? He said he's tough as nails. He's won championships. He's taken his team to multiple great cups. He's the man. Well, and if Chris didn't believe that, if there was something about Darian he didn't like this week in Florida, he'd have told Darian. And it didn't yeah. appear that he had anything to say to him about it. So there's another sign that things are moving pretty positively. All you can hear in the background is Travis breathing heavily with excitement <laughs> about Darian Durant this you year. You have to see the smile on my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> a quick one for you, Rod. He's not a rider. He was a rider. Kind of abruptly retired out of nowhere. Ben Heenan, have you had a chance to talk to him yet the, behind the rationale behind his uh, suddenly sudden retirement? Well, we exchanged text messages, but at that time he wasn't ready to speak publicly about it, and he has, to my knowledge, not spoken yet. Uh, he actually said he was willing to speak this week or, or would be, but we were down in Florida and, and never lined it up. My take on the situation is this. Um, it wasn't a coincidence that he was waived by the Indianapolis Colts, and within about two hours he announced his retirement. Had he not been cut by Indy, I think he... Clearly, he wouldn't have retired. He wasn't going to walk out on the Colts. But when he was faced with the prospect of coming back to the CFL, putting all of that work in again, and maybe the money was not an issue. Yeah. I do not believe money in any – because he's a Canadian offensive lineman and potentially the best in the league, he stood to make 200000 plus. That's John Fraser money. Absolutely. <laughs> that doesn't mean much to Ben Heenan. I know for a fact – and you guys in you know, U of S probably know this, his family's big-time, big-time, big-time farmers. They farm tens yep. of thousands of acres in Grand Coulee, which is, you know, 15 miles west of Regina. I know his dad, Dale, and Ben's love is farming. And so my take on it is this. He didn't feel like being in the gym five hours a day for six months out of the year. His love mm -hmm. is sitting on a tractor chewing sunflower seeds. And 
and putting in the crop. That's what he wanted to do. I'll never understand that because that's what I grew up doing, and I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) If Ben at the age of 26 would rather do that, and he's already won a great cup, been a number one overall draft pick, been to the National Football League, probably has some money tucked away, and here's the dark side of the story, gentlemen. I don't want to name names at this point, mm-hmm. but I know some past, you know, retired football players, Hall of Famers, that are going through some very scary things physically mm-hmm. with their heads. I mean, it's one thing to not be able to get out of bed in the morning because your hips are sore, your knees are sore, you're this, you're that, or you get a replacement if you're George Reed. But when you've got a head that, you know, you've got dementia 30 years ahead of when most people do, mm-hmm. or the start of it, um, those guys are saying Ben made the right decision. Well, he's not the only guy retiring young. Ben hasn't spoken publicly about this, so I'm not. I shouldn't be speaking for him. Right. But what I'm saying is, those guys that have been through it, the retired players, the Hall of Famers, are applauding Ben, saying, yep. "You know what? If I could have done this all over again, I might be doing exactly what Ben Heenan's doing." So, most of us here in the Rider Nation are saying, "Good for you, Ben." Um, made the right choice, and he's quite frankly following his heart because I'm not sure he ever really loved playing football. Tell me if you wow. saw a picture of him with a smile on his face, other than being drafted number one overall at the dog's breakfast, which was a and pretty win- happy moment. And winning the Grey Cup. Outside of that, I think you're right bang on there, Rod. Right. I just didn't see him like he was having a hell of a lot of fun. So no. um, we wish him well. Rod, we know you have to. You're going out with your family to see a movie tonight, so we'll uh, we'll keep this quick with you for this edition on the podcast. We'll have you down the road to talk maybe a little more about uh, the concussion issue. But quickly, you've got a really cool Peterson Media Summit coming up May 14th. Can you give us some details and how do you sign up? Uh, it's nice of you, John, to mention that. And yeah, it's uh, well. First of all, PetersonMedia.ca is the website for the information on it and how to register and sign up. And we're going to bring. Sports teams, small businesses, um, social media professionals to Regina, to Mosaic Stadium. It's a one-day seminar on social media, publishing, branding, public speaking, media relations, frankly, all of the things that I do. And Mm -hmm. we've got Saskatchewan Rough Riders digital media staff coming. We've got some junior hockey teams. We've got charities coming. And basically it's, it's, uh, you know, a one-day crash course on how to get your message out. Because I know a lot of people have their message and they uh, they don't know how to get it out to the media. And what are the best ways to get it out to the media? How to deal with the media? Don't be afraid of the media. We're going to collaborate. It's not going to be standing. Not going to be me standing in the front of the room for a day telling you what to do. It's going to be this is what's worked for me. This is what got me this amount of followers. This is what's made my blog the number one blog in the country. These kinds of things. I want to pass them along because so many people ask for free advice. I finally said, you know what? Come to the stadium. We're going to have a, basically a consulting day, a collaboration day to share ideas. I liken it to this, John. Last year, the Saskatchewan Hockey Association had a coaches symposium, Regina, and mm-hmm. they brought in Willie Desjardins and Glenn Gullitson and I think Dave King, Dave Tippett. There was like over 100 coaches there. Well, why, why can't those guys get – why can they get together and talk hockey? Why don't we bring the marketing people and the broadcasters and the PR people together and do the exact same thing. It's such it, it's such a great idea, Rod. And if the rush playoff schedule allows me to, I'll be signing up for that myself. Love to have you there, both you guys. <laughs> and I appreciate you doing that. And you call any time, I'd be happy to go on with you. 
Beautiful. Take care, Rod. We will have you on closer to the season, maybe during training camp in Saskatoon. Enjoy your night with the family. We look forward to all that you do, my friend. Thanks, guys. Thanks again uh, to Rod Peterson uh, for coming on the Two and Out CFL podcast. I got to think that the first lesson in social media, and I think Rod learned this, is probably have a thick skin. (laughs) (laughs) And trust me, I've known Rod for a little while. He absolutely does. And you have to in that spot. Uh, You know what? I I, I hope that everything works out and I can take in that Peterson Media Summit myself. Uh, PetersonMedia.ca. We'll tweet out the links uh, to that here from our Two and Out CFL podcast account and uh, and Facebook as well. So much great stuff there, especially regarding, uh, I think, Ben Heenan. And... It seems to be a lot of players are retiring young these days. It's not like he is just uh, the the first, but it's interesting that he notes that maybe Ben isn't all that passionate about uh, the game of football. Can you be? Can you imagine just being so good at something that you don't really have to try or care about it? Well, I would never say that he didn't care, but to me, Ben always struck me as a guy, you know, you get that great work ethic off the farm, and oh, yeah, when I would the, see Ben, and, and, and Rod, you know, made this point, you never saw him kind of laughing or smiling around practice or anything like that, and a big part of that was maybe he didn't enjoy it, but he always had that hard work ethic, and you know what, another good friend of mine, a former Eskimos offensive lineman, Rhett McLean, also retired young and says he doesn't regret it one bit. He had an opportunity to extend his career, decided not to do it after things went south with the Eskimos. Um, And he, again, I know him well, and he says he doesn't regret it. Rhett's a completely healthy guy these days. So, you know what? Good on you, Ben, for for having the wherewithal to do that. I do have to say that I can't get the smile off my face from Rod uh, giving us the report on Darian Durant. Oh, Uh, I knew knew you would be (laughs) drooling, and all of a sudden I know who your first overall pick in fantasy is going to be this year. Hey, I'm going to fix it so I have that first overall pick. I know you will. You will in both our leagues that you happen to run. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we wrap things up, there is a few news items that we should get to. So let's do that. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. All right. I think the week kicked off with... Tommy Condell uh, resigning due to family reasons out of Hamilton. Uh, does this change your outlook on the Hamilton offense and how Zach Caleros is going to fare this upcoming season? I don't think so. Um, he's giving, uh, I mean, Condell is, again, much like Heenan, making a personal choice. You, yeah. you can't disrespect a guy for doing that whatsoever. He's giving the team maybe not as much notice as they would have liked, you know, but he's still giving them, let's face it, we're still two months away from training camp to, to find somebody that, you, you know, will work with Ken Austin and Zach Caleros. But to me, that's always kind of been Ken Austin's team. I'm sure he's had his fingers in the offensive pie to say, you know, at least a little bit. So I think they'll find somebody who can work with Ken Austin. I'm sure there's good candidates out there. It just might be a matter of finding somebody last minute. Worst case, I think Austin is going to run the def- the offense rather for the rest of the year. And uh, I think I, I don't I don't expect Caleros to regress at all. I mean, he's he's too good of a quarterback. His 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 bigger chance of regression will be based off his injury he's recovering from. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. So we will see if he is uh, 100% once uh, training camp does kick off. Um, Mike Riley extends in Edmonton, and I guess his contract, after the bonuses are all said and done, make him basically the highest 
paid player in the Canadian Football League. But it's hard to deny how uh, valuable he is to the Eskimos. Like, as soon as he came back, they didn't lose again. So he brings this sort of it factor. Maybe he doesn't throw for 450 yards every game, but he wins. And that's the most important stat. Two, two, three thoughts on this. One, absolutely deserving of the contract. Yeah. Two, uh, to me, I, I, I forget who tweeted it, and I'd love to give you credit if I happen to see it. Whoever made the joke about, well, great, now he's the highest paid player in the CFL until he restructures his contract in two years when they're up against the cap. <laughs> um, I mean, that could very well be coming. And, and and three, this brought up something interesting that Nick Lewis brought up. Now, again, we know that the next CBA battle is probably going to be even messier than the last, but yeah. Nick floated something out there. He's like, what if quarterbacks were exempt from the salary cap? That, you know, that would then give you the ability of, say, in the Mike Riley situation, looks like he's going to be making between five and seven hundred thousand dollars a year what if you could take that off Edmonton's salary cap and distributed that to some more players I mean teams are apparently profitable it'd probably be the easiest way to give some guys some more money I think it's a good idea and it would allow teams to to keep some top flight quarterbacks yeah we saw the Bombers made a boatload of cash off the Grey Cup so I mean teams are making money and it it seems like the the Thai Cats they said they hadn't made money for 30 years until they basically got into uh Tim Horton's field. So teams are making money. Well, well, you have to think the three teams that open up their books to the public are the Edmonton Eskimos, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. Winnipeg had the Grey Cup, so they're going to make an operating profit. I mean, but even if you take away the Grey Cup money, they still made made money. And I believe that was even after a debt payment that they have to pay on their new stadium. Yeah, they they paid, uh, I think when it was all said and done, they made about $11.5 million uh, from the Grey Cup, and they paid $1.5 million uh, to the debt uh, of the stadium so really they, they still got 10 million bucks left over exactly and you look at Saskatchewan they're in the same spot they're paying for their new barn and still making money Edmonton's making money you know there was talk in Hamilton that they're they're making money I imagine the situation's looking rosier in Toronto with the move to BMO um, so as far as we know from public statements and from what has been revealed in the books you know You've got four teams for sure making money. Probably safe to assume that the Ottawa All Caps are making money as well. So yep. we can make a safe assumption that five out of the league's nine teams are making scratch right now. So, I mean, it's good for the league, and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how things move, especially with the sale of the BC Lions, etc. Sticking uh, with the Bombers briefly here, they did post a little bit of a teaser uh, to their new jerseys. It looks like those are all going to be revealed on May 12th, and really you don't see much on it other than an Adidas logo, but you do see the color. And Bomber fans are happy, and I'm a Ryder fan. (laughs) I can't... What... What is happening? Like, is that drooling or something that I don't want to know about? That that <laughs> <laughs> it's just drooling, Travis. Don't you worry. Or or is it theater of the mind? <laughs> I uh, am a fan nope. of those baby blue jerseys, so I'm glad they're moving in that direction. Everybody, I think everybody and their dog is a fan of the royal blue jerseys. Glad to see them come back for the entire league. And I'm sure they're going to be sharp looking. I can't wait till we start seeing some of these jerseys get debuted. And I believe Paulo Cerna with the league said mid to late May. 
Now, here's an interesting thing. Uh, they had a kind of season ticket holder get-together for BC Lions fans. And Wally Puano said that Adidas has redone, basically top to bottom, the BC Lions jerseys. Wow. And, and this is what he said. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like it. So, <laughs> huh? why would you... Why would he say that? So I'm honestly kind of worried of, of what BC's uniforms are going to look like. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You almost wonder if by that statement, let's read the tea leaves here. I wonder if they're going with a black primary jersey. Yeah, because a, a, lo- a lot of people didn't like that black signature look. I did. I'm a fan of it, but I know a lot of others didn't. And I think the biggest issue, I think people couldn't. Well, they they changed it up a little bit. When they first came out, it was hard to read the names and the numbers. Yeah. Uh, But they kind of fixed that issue, and I thought those look slick. They look menacing. But at the same time, I do like the orange uh, Lions jerseys that they were. I I don't know about you, but I really like basically every team's retro look. (laughs) And, And this is for every league. Like, why did we have to change any of them? Well, to me, I... There's a couple looks that I like that are kind of new. That that signature series jersey that Edmonton came out with last year, that to me is a crisp looking jersey. That and you that see, I'm dark... not a fan of that one. Really? Yeah, I like that. I liked Calgary's, especially with Calgary's buckets. Um, the only jerseys, I mean, I, I I mean Hamilton is classic. You know, Toronto's a classic double blue. I love uh, the Toronto one. Oh yeah, I, I I mean Saskatchewan brings back such nostalgia, and, and and same with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going back to Royal Blue. I think we're gonna have a really nice mix next year of retro and, and modern looks um, in the CFL, and I'm excited to see as a Jersey fan. I'm excited to see you know what it's gonna look like. Although I, I still think half the stadium is gonna be filled with you know yeah, old jerseys, considering sure. you can go to River City Sports and for a paperclip, um, you know, a, a gum wrapper and a little bit of pocket lint, seeming get a jersey from last year these days yeah now's the time if you if you don't have one and you want a cheap one now's the time now two more things before we wrap this up i did see that three cfl officials were let go has this ever happened where three guys get let go and i know it's maybe more publicized now because of the amount of uh i don't want to say the amount of flags last year but yeah the amount of flags last year uh we don't know who it was, but have we seen this happen before? My biggest concern is do you have somebody ready to replace them? Yeah. that That is the only f- my only concern. If you are letting guys go because of poor performance, you would better have somebody that's that's coming from, you know, the CIS ranks or even someplace down south that is ready to go and ready to do a better job than what you had last year. Oh, for sure. And because these guys that they bring in are going to be brand new to the rules like the refs were last year. <laughs> so so they might have the exact have same pains. <laughs> they might have the exact same growing pains. Oh, I, I just it's it's just interesting. Maybe it's retirements. Maybe it's the old, yeah. hey, maybe you should retire kind of situation. But again, my biggest concern is, you know what, be careful what you wish for because it might not be any better than what we had last year. One more note before we wrap this surprise episode up. Uh, I saw the update, the development update from Canuck Play on the CFL video game. Now, I'm going to support these guys uh, as long as I can because they are doing this game 
properly. And uh, the way they they released it earlier today that they've come up with uh, the way to score in the video game, and mm-hmm. you can get a rouge. <laughs> so, so I just want I, I just want to see a tech demo where I can just punt, where we could just play a game <laughs> where you have to punt every every point through the end zone. Well, I tweeted it out. I. I am going to purposely go to the Grey Cup and win with a rouge. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I really hope that everything comes to fruition with that. I might have to buy a next-gen console just to play uh, the Canuck Play edition of CFL football so you and I can take each other on, and we can have a game where where all you have to do, where as soon as you get to the 30-yard line, you have to punt it through the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's and you know what you can bring back John Ryan and yeah. his massive leg and uh, all we'll do is we'll have the John Ryan Bowl. Oh, I want an oh, I want to play like the classic. We can have a rouge off, so you can have the greatest kickers of all time, like Louis Pasquale. Yeah, no, Noel Prefontaine, and I like Noel because of uh, his uh, hits. Man, that guy could hit. <laughs> And also Paul Osbaldiston. Uh, like, <laughs> there's so many kickers with great names. Did, did you see Pisaglia. how many? Did you see how many kickers the Ticats worked out last week? No, they, I didn't. They could have had a Royal Rumble. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, kickers are people too, as Joe Pritchard said on Twitter. <laughs> was uh, was uh, was the Rock and, and and Shaq involved in that Royal Rumble as well? <laughs> Actually, Travis, that's why we had to delay, you know, uh, recording this episode. We wanted to do a, do it uh, Wednesday, but we're recording it on a Thursday. It's because I was on my way back from Hamilton Kicker Scamp. <laughs> Man, I would buy your jersey if you make that team. <laughs> Man, I would have the one bar helmet and the beer gut hanging out, and I'd be crushing hot dogs at halftime. Man, we need to get you to Florida, go to a mini camp or something. <laughs> I need to learn how to kick first. <laughs> oh, that is episode 33 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I'm Travis Curra. He's John Fraser. Thanks to Rod Peterson for joining us this uh, episode. Have yourself a good one. I don't know when we'll talk to you next, but we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>